Hello, my name is Nick Spacek, and you're listening to From and Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we speak with the Aquabats MC Bat Commander, Christian Jacobs, about the music of the Aquabats Super Show and Yo Gabba Gabba. This year, the Orange County ska band The Aquabats celebrates their 25th anniversary. In that time, the band's sound has grown to encompass more than the third wave ska sound, embracing rock and roll, electronic music, dance tunes, and so, so much more. They even had their own TV show, The Aquabats Super Show, which ran from 2012 to 2014 and was recently revived via Kickstarter. The Aquabats frontman, Christian Jacobs, also known as the MC Bat Commander, was also one of the creators of the smash Nickelodeon kids show, Yo Gabba Gabba, which itself incorporated a ton of music to teach and entertain youngsters, as well as their parents. It was a big thrill to sit down with Jacobs before the band played a show at Kansas City's Uptown Theater with Real Big Fish earlier this summer. We spoke about the band's history, Yo Gabba Gabba, the super show, and so much more. Bro, what's up? Right on. Hey, dude, guess what tonight? What? Pool party, my house, 8 o'clock. Yeah! You don't even know, dude. There's going to be food and girls and more food and Mike Trudeau's coming. Like, thank you so much no for problem. doing this. Nice I to appreciate meet you. it. Nice to meet you. Um, yeah, like I'm just like I am so curious about like the fact that you were like like not necessarily a child actor, but like a teen actor uh-huh. who child then actor, yeah, who's not too far away. Who then got out of acting and went into music, and then went into making shows. Yeah, it is a weird thing. It's a weird. So growing up, you know, my parents got my sister and myself and my younger brothers an agent and that was kind of like our family business was 
was doing acting. So from the time I was like five or six, was going on auditions every day and trying out for commercials and TV shows. Living in L.A., you know, that's kind of... But I was part of that whole 80s generation of like Corey Feldman and Corey Haim and River Phoenix and Ricky Schroeder. And I, you know, I knew all those guys just from going on auditions and, you know, tried out for all the great movies of the 80s <laughs> didn't get them you know Never Ending Story and Poltergeist E.T. all those shows so you know growing up going on auditions and sometimes getting work I think from a young age I like I learned that to deal with uh, rejection I guess yeah like and knowing that nothing is easy and it's not just gonna they're not just gonna give it to you you right. gotta work yeah, for yeah. it and even then sometimes you try your best and it's just not good enough because for whatever reason you know and so I think for me I kind of burned out on all that acting stuff as a teenager and I got into skateboarding and music and just didn't really want to go on auditions <laughs> every day and I just kind of got tired of it but I always liked it and enjoyed it and had some really great experiences and worked with some great people as a kid and then as I got older I just I gravitated towards that production side of things so I knew how things worked just from being on sets and working and doing that stuff and then I also you know I wasn't I didn't never turn pro skateboarding <laughs> I was barely a sponsored amateur at one point but I think you know, I was a filmer for a while, and I worked on skate videos, and was more on that that creative side of things, right? Like yeah, making stuff, directing videos, and coming up with ideas, but just being behind the camera. So it kind of seemed natural once the Aquabats came around. Was like, here's something that's theatrical, and I kind of know my way around a camera, and. Why not try to make it a TV show? So that was like really early on in the Aquabats. We wanted to make it into a TV show. Well, it seems like you can almost look at like the video uh, of like Super Rad as being like the demo reel for the Aquabats yeah. Super Show. Pretty, and that's what we were hoping that that uh, we could use that and show like, look, this is how what we're thinking. It's very campy. It's very silly. You know, it's kind of rooted in the Batman 66, kind of a whole tongue-in-cheek, sarcastic thing. But that was also before we had kids, too. So <laughs> we were thinking a little more Adult Swim or, you know, a little more rowdy with it, you know. But at the same time, you know, just naturally, it, it just seems like, I mean, even Pee Wee... Pee Wee Herman was doing that with the Groundlings. He was yeah. they were making fun of a kids show. That first you that know. first Pee Wee special is very grown up. Yes, <laughs> but at the same time, if you're a kid and you're watching it, it's like same. it's like watching Three's <laughs> Company. You know, it's like I don't get half of these jokes, but I like it because you know there's all that fun kid eye candy to watch, and it's pretty it's pretty fun. But yeah, it's all kind of that same in that same vein, you know. Yeah. So. Anyway, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it seems like the like like when you did Yo Gabba Gabba, like music was like so much like an integral part of that show. For sure, yeah. And, and I think you know, growing up a huge music fan and growing up on the West Coast, where I feel like 
we got a lot of like British imports and dance music and punk and hip hop and there was a lot of different things going on on the West Coast um, flavor wise and so you know being in the band and being really into music and a big fan of music when we shifted gears and started having you know kids with my my wife and my my buddy Scott and he had a kid and we were thinking about the Aquabats it just wasn't it wasn't people didn't really get it right and so we thought let's do something different and maybe make something for our own kids and that's what you know Yo Gabba Gabba was and is and it was just something for like parents that want <laughs> to give their kids an experience but appropriate it for them so we being huge music fans we just thought man putting this kind of music that we like into a into a preschool show it just seemed like someone has to do it because <laughs> you know, we, we the stuff we were watching with our kids was like uh, pretty unwatchable yeah oh yeah and I, I always wanted to watch cartoons and things with my kids but then they're watching this stuff that's like I can't watch this this is really dumb so and I know some people don't not everybody likes Yo Gabba Gabba but but we want you know we started at a ba- music first like let's put in you know basically hip hop beats and dance beats and then put rock in it and punk and ska and mix it up you know put all the best stuff into the show and then hopefully we could get guests and it all worked out so well you know just worked out better than we could have ever expected so it's so cool to see like like southern california like theatrical musicians such as yourself or like even like Danny Elfman like was in Oingo Boingo mm-hmm. and now he like you know they, I would argue that probably like you know he's done a ton of films and everything but like his best known thing is The Nightmare Before Christmas right. which is for kids yeah and it seems like like cause you you know like adults already know you know who you are right or like things like that so there's like this built in like dual audience already right no, that's true, and um, it just seems like a natural thing. And now, at our age, and my kids are getting older, and they're kind of getting the older jokes and liking <laughs> music more. And I mean, Oingo Boingo, Danny Elfman, uh, Mark Mothersbaugh, Devo—like those were probably my biggest influences as a kid in music. And, and probably because their music is kind of so theatrical, uh, the first band I saw. Live was Oingo Boingo. I was in fifth grade, and that's all I wanted for my birthday was to see <laughs> Oingo Boingo. And listening to their songs that are so theatrical, and they go all over the place. And there's, you know, it just feels like you can imagine what they're singing about. It's really visual, you yeah. know. But then you go see them play, and it's just like you know, Dan Helfman and a wife be there, and they're just guys in suits, and it's. It wasn't so theatrical of a performance, but they, I mean, they were incredibly tight and what a great band. But then you go see Debo and they had the movie screen behind them and they they had, you know, things they were doing and it was very like a theatrical performance to go with their music. And so that was something when we were starting the band, we really, really wanted to do something like that because in the mid 90s or whatever, it felt like even though I was really into punk and 
uh, classic rock as well. And so when grunge exploded, I was really into all those bands as well. But then it just kind of became like so ubiquitous and 90s music just kind of felt like... Mopery. Yes. <laughs> just got so old that we wanted to do something that was like fun and silly. And I guess when it comes right down to it, punk rock, because we, you know, punk rock didn't have any rules and it, the only rule is to just do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. And that's kind of what where the Aquabats really came from, was just going against yeah. the grain, you know? Even within the ska scene, like. Yeah. There was a certain, you know, there was the kind of third wave bands mm-hmm. like Real Big Fish that had their thing going, and there was the older bands like our the Big Brothers, it's Sublime and No Doubt, and right, and then there was the more traditional bands like Let's Go Bowlings and the Toasters, and we just wanted to be completely different, <laughs> you know, more like and more yeah. like Oingo Boingo, use Scott as like part of a flavor, but not like the whole thing. Well, yeah, like, I mean, like, so many, like, so many of your songs, like, different genres, like, you've got Charge, which is, like, an entire, like, non-Ska album, yes. which I adore. Ready like, Rock, yeah. Um, like, the, well, but then, finally, you get your own, like, there's an Aquabat show. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that was the thing, is so, Yo Gabba Gabba was doing really, really well, and it was touring everywhere, and doing all kinds of stuff, and so we started getting, you know questions from different studios it's like what else have you got and what are you doing and one of the first executives to discover Yo Gabba Gabba was a guy named Ted Biaselli and he's over at Netflix now but he he um, he was at Disney and the executives over him at Disney turned Gabba down they said nah, this, this is too crazy for us so he, when he moved over to a new network called The Hub he called me and said he's I'm an executive at this new network called The Hub and I don't care what it is, I want your next show. Come in and pitch me your show. So we went in and pitched the Aquabats, and he was like, perfect, let's do it. So for Ted and Margaret Lesh, who's a legendary um, kids television executive, she greenlit Dungeons and & Dragons and oh, Smurfs and Snorks and just everything we watched. He-Man, she was part of everything we watched growing up. And so we came in and pitched her the show, and she's like, great this seems crazy and <laughs> stupid and silly just kids will love it and that was my big my big question was we'd been living with the acrobats and touring and doing it for so long are kids actually going to like it and she margaret lesh said she said of course they will because you guys are just big kids <laughs> so they're going to love it so so that turned out it turned out really good and um should i no, wait no, a second but um, yeah, so then being able to do the the show, the Aquabats coming off of Yo Gabba Gabba was awesome because we were at a new network. They were hurting for content. They looked at us like, "Oh, you guys are you creators of this sh- successful show. Do whatever you want." <laughs> so we kind of had carte blanche to just do it. I mean, obviously within a in the confines of a budget, but. We pretty much made the Aquabats exactly how we always had seen it in our minds, complete with the battle tram, and and so just a dream come true. And then writing songs for that, and you know, it was it was I think it was very unique because we all yeah. wore different hats, and we'd be shooting all day, and then we'd go back to the offices and be writing songs till like two in the morning, and then have to get up three hours later. Right. And, 
get hit by rocks or <laughs> whipped by a bad guy or something. And it, it just was, it, you know, Yo Gabba Gabba was like, obviously, it's a dream job, but Aquabats was like our dream. The, 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 yeah. the dream decades in the making. Yeah, for sure. And, and it was hard. It, was, it wasn't easy because it was on locations and weather and cold and you'd be shooting a scene in, in the middle of the night and it'd start raining and for some reason because we were trying to weave in shooting in between seasons of GABA um, we were always shooting the aquabats in the winter time oh. you know it, it wasn't in the snow but California can get cold <laughs> you know much to the uh, maybe people don't realize that but it does get chilly especially when you're just wearing shorts and a spandex shirt yeah it's uh, it's cold so anyway i can't we can't complain but just yeah. comparatively it was it was a struggle but i think the way the show turned out and the songs turned out and just seeing kids showing up at our shows still yeah. 5 years later there's still kids that are just like stars in their eyes like oh I can't believe the aquabats are here and that they're real you know which is pretty fun that's pretty fun in terms of like writing songs for the show like you're kind of like trying to fit like a narrative or like things mm-hmm. like that was, yeah. did, was that sort of another challenge where you're like flexing different creative muscles no I think for what it's worth I mean it's easier to write songs that you have are, that are attached to something. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if you're writing a script and you, you have to, you know, the Aquabats are shoveling mud and there's a they're going to write a chain gang song called Shoveling Mud, <laughs> it's so much easier to write that song than going into a studio or just going to practice and going, have, you know, what should we write a song about today? It's way harder to do that. And so the songs for the Super Show... And Yo Gabba Gabba, it was just, there's just piles of them. There's just so many because the way we did it on Gabba was we'd have like, okay, here's your themes of your episodes. Everyone go write and we'd come back and then play each other songs that we had written. If this, song, if this episode is about eating healthy, then here's all these songs that, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's way easier when you have a theme. Um, to write and I and I I really liked it but and and same with the super show it was it was very similar um, we just it was easy to write songs because but everyone would contribute and say here's my idea here's my idea and, and the ones that got picked were usually the ones that were more fully formed or you know different we try to keep things different we don't every every song to sound like the aquabats right. say yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so that's also fun too because we could write a hip hop song or a country song or like you know some weird baroque opera song like on the thingy and we got to work with a lot of people our friends and a lot of really creative people mostly our friends you know just like hey you want to work on the show with us let's go you know just nerding out on each other's songs and anyways it was it's pretty much a dream come true when when we can do it you know so, like, those, some of those episodes, like, on YouTube have, like, millions of views. Uh-huh. And you've got the, the soundtrack album that is now officially out on vinyl. Yes. Um, so, uh, and you're on tour this summer. Uh, is it like, still going? Yeah. Okay. So, like, what's, uh, what's, what's, your, what's your plan? So, we did that Kickstarter last year, which we I was really reluctant to do because... Um, you know, for me, my generation, 
I just don't understand social media as well as maybe someone five to ten years younger than me. I just feel like Kickstarter is like digital panhandling. <laughs> like it could reflect badly on you. That's the way I feel. Like, whoa, you guys are successful. Why do you need our money? You know, like find it from somewhere else. But people kept hitting us up and saying, you guys should do a Kickstarter. You should do a Kickstarter. And then finally we met up with some guys that had worked on a lot of successful Kickstarter campaigns and they told us like look your fans they want they want to help you like they want to get close to you and this is a way by helping you raise money to do stuff if they can become a part of it so in a way you're giving them the opportunity to get closer to you and be a part of the family and like just think about the, your favorite bands or your favorite movie franchises or whatever if you could pay money to be a part of it wouldn't you want to I'm like well I guess you're right that's true he's like that's what they want so give, just give them what they want and so we did the Kickstarter and you know it was really it was super successful I think we overshot a little bit at the beginning but um, with estimations of what we thought yeah. we could do uh, <laughs> But then it dawned on us that the little videos we were making, instead of trying to go full 22-minute episodes, why don't we just make short little YouTube ones like we were making for the Kickstarter, and then we retooled it to be like, let's just make small episodes. What do you think? And then it worked. It worked great. So um, I think the plan is now, obviously, we have to fulfill all of our commitments to our Legion of Righteous Comrades, which are the friends that donated money to the Kickstarter so we we finished 11 episodes already like short ones we already shot them they're being edited I think they're going to start airing in the next two weeks we were trying to air them in June but it's kind of gotten pushed to the end of July just because of tour right, and things yeah. and we just also finished a brand new album besides the soundtrack album so we're on the hook for two records <laughs> through the Kickstarter and one of them is all done so we're mixing it's being mixed right now in LA and when we get home we'll hear the mixes and do final touches and that should be out by the end of September and uh, it's kind of a little more on the spooky side so perfect it's probably going to work well in October it was funny because all the stuff all the songs that were kind of rising to the top were all kind of spooky and weird and it just seemed like okay well then this that's perfect let's just serendipity make it come out in at Halloween and we'll see what happens but so we have that record come out which we're, we're going to do we'll do two more tours um, for the soundtrack and then we'll do some more touring in the spring for this record that's coming out in the fall and then we have another record coming out next summer which we've already written some songs for but we haven't re started recording it but so you know so this is a real like for us a busy time for the yeah. Aquabats and it's probably the busiest we've been since we did the super show which is cool for me because yeah. all the other guys have normal jobs and I'm the one that's like let's go on tour <laughs> let me be the back commander a little longer please uh, so anyway it's, it's good for the it's good for the brand it's good for and it's just I think the biggest thing that's cool is that the fans got to be a part of it and we've gotten to be close with a lot of people that are like super fans and just way into it and got to thank them personally and people you know we're getting in touch with our fans because that's what they want right yeah. I mean that's good yeah that's awesome yeah. I'm still 
I'm still amazed we have any fans. Because <laughs> <laughs> it still does feel like the Aquabats was such it was such kind of a lark, you know, like uh, such a jo- it was a joke, you know, like hey, let's let's do this spoof satirical ska band thing and have fun, and then it just became what it is, you know. So twenty five years later, yeah. what the heck? How'd that happen? I'm happy. <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, nerdy kids. <laughs> well, thank yeah. Thank, yeah. thank the universe for nerdy kids, you know. <laughs> and that, and that's another thing that I think is amazing. Like you look at the rise of like Comic Con culture and nerd culture, and you know, again, you would have told me that the Avengers would be the biggest movie <laughs> in the world when I was in high school or junior not even junior high elementary yep. school I was reading all those comic books in elementary school just being made fun of you know like oh you're a nerd you read comics so not cool and now it's like the coolest thing in the world you know it's the biggest thing the biggest thing right it's so yeah. weird but it's just the rise of uh, the rise of the nerds, you yeah. Know? Revenge, the revenge is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, thank you so much. This no has problem. Been so much fun. I really hey, appreciate is it. That, is that that is amazing? Good? That is perfect. You just some buns and patties, but I love you so much. You know it's been a long time. Since I had you in my gut Thanks to Christian Jacobs for speaking with me. The Aquabats Super Show Television Soundtrack Volume 1 is out now on vinyl, compact disc, and digital download. The band is out now with special guests MC Lars, Cuckoo Kangaroo, and People Mover, and that tour runs through November 23rd. You can find dates and more info at the band's website, theaquabats.com, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Aquabats. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at fromInspiredPod. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and Stitcher as well. Please do hit up the website and click on the Give Us Money button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees. And remember to leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher as well. We'll be back in two weeks talking about the cinematic musical contributions of the band Filter with frontman Richard Patrick. Until then... Thanks for listening. This Not dead.